Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome back into fourth down in the Steel City alongside Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. We've got you covered. We looked at one side of the ball. In particular, what happens when the Steelers are on offense and how they can and should, in our opinions, attack the Texans' defense. Where are the soft spots? And just rhythmically, how do they go about it, especially early in the game on Sunday afternoon? What about the other side of the ball? We've got a rookie who, at least numbers-wise, looks like he knows what he's doing and had a really nice game against Jacksonville last week. C.J. Stroud, second overall pick in the draft. He's got a decent fleet of receivers. He's he's got Nico Collins. He's got Tank Dell, who has really impressed as a young guy in the first couple of weeks of the season. And then the crafty vet running from the slot in Robert Woods. They've got sort of a running back by committee sort of thing going between... Uh, Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce has about 45 to 55% of the snaps so far. Singletary somewhere in the 30% range. All of that is to say these aren't elite weapons. Collins and Dell, I think, have the opportunity to grow and become a whole lot better as their careers continue to progress. But these aren't elite weapons, but it's a quarterback who I think has, has shown He can help take them from one level to the next, Josh. And it's just a question now of what happens when he faces a defense who I hope is hell-bent all out on making his weekend a nightmare. Because if they take down C.J. Stroud, it's like taking out the body, the head will fall. Um, If they take out Stroud, I think this offense is going to have a really difficult time gaining any kind of ground against the Steelers' defense that after last week, it's it's hard to see any real soft spots. You know what the interesting part about C.J. Stroud is and why I think he's been so successful these first few weeks of his career and the numbers he's put up and the success he's had? He hasn't made a lot of mistakes throwing the football. Yeah, 900-some-odd yards in three games, that's good. Four touchdowns in three games, I mean, you know, for a rookie quarterback, you kind of temper your expectations. Sure. Not a single interception. That's... Mm-hmm. Which sticks out to me, not a single interception in your first three games in, in as a rookie. And I got to look this up. 121 pass attempts, and you haven't thrown in a single interception yet. That might be the reason why things are going so well. He's completed what 64 percent of his passes, handful of touchdowns, but no picks, no big major things that shoot himself in the foot. At least when he throws the football. However, the big thing, the big weakness is before. He throws the football. He's been sacked 11 times. Now this is where it comes into the Steelers wheelhouse. Cause you say, Hey, if we could get to him, he can't kill us, but you got to get to him first. Yeah. And what's interesting is to your point about the zero interceptions, he's done it without the offense looking like it's trying to baby him. Right. right. This isn't, this isn't like the jets trying to baby Zach Wilson and ask him not to screw up. 
This isn't the Steelers who at times have looked like they've asked Kenny Pickett to, they've tried to baby him and ask him not to screw up. They are simply saying, no, 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 you're going to play quarterback. Just don't turn it over. And he's not turning it over. That's, that's, it's hard to get a rookie quarterback Mm -hmm. who doesn't get kid glove treatment and still avoids turning the football over because all too often, especially when there's pressure on them, the way there's been pressure on Stroud from the pass rush, they simply, they just naturally and instinctively want to try and do something. They try to do too much and the ball turns over. I think it also speaks to C.J. Stroud and the offense he played in in Ohio State. Remember, that's an Ohio State offense that's very quarterback friendly. They're going to give you weapons. They're going to make sure you have a line in front of you. And this is from, you know, from Urban Meyer down to Ryan Day. And I think Ryan Day is one of those guys who probably doesn't get enough credit for what he's done at Ohio State. But this offense that he's in now it's very reminiscent of what we saw when he played in an Ohio State last year. Because yeah, Ohio State, he had a handful of receivers he can throw the ball to. One of them is a Heisman candidate right now in Marvin Harrison Jr. And he's got a couple more that are holdovers from last year. Emeka uh, Abuke is pretty good too. So he's got some solid guys mm-hmm. to trust. He had good linemen in front of him. And one of them is a starter already in the league. And we saw him against Cleveland and Dewan Jones. So we knew the talent that they had around them, but the offensive system that they had was also very, very quarterback friendly. It allowed you to have those opportunities to trust your receivers, to trust your linemen and put you in situations to succeed. I wouldn't be surprised if some of that is carried over. I wouldn't be surprised if some of what was happening, we'll bring it up again. Some of what's been happening in San Francisco is carried over again. Because remember, D'Amico Ryans brought his offensive coordinator with him from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And people around football will tell you the 49ers offense is very paint by numbers. It's very if A, then B, if B, then C. So that's something else that helps him a lot too. So when you have the familiarity of having a background in the system that's very complimentary, and then you're working in a system in the program now that's complimentary, it makes it a lot easier for quarterback to get comfortable and easier to trust those receivers and easier to say, okay, I know what I see, so let me do this quickly and right. make the right pre-snap read. I mean, he they turned Brock Purdy into a star in about six weeks last year, Mr. Irrelevant. So there's no reason Bobby Sloak, who was the quarterback's coach there, in San Francisco is now the OC for CJ Stroud in Houston. Can't do the same thing. Help a young quarterback exactly. grow in a safe way, for lack of a better way to put it. What'll be interesting to me too is where do they look for a soft spot? Is Levi Wallace still the perceived soft spot on this defense after the way he came? Look, he we we crushed him the first three weeks and rightfully so because he, he wasn't playing well, but he comes up with two or three of the biggest plays of the week Sunday night on defense against the Raiders. So do they, do they try to get Nico Collins in one-on-one situations with Levi Wallace? Do the Steelers continue to answer in nickel and dime situations by moving Adrian Peterson inside when I think Levi Wallace may be the better choice to move inside? Do we see another increase in snaps for Joey Porter Jr.? And how does he handle Tank Dell? I think that would be a fascinating watch up, uh, matchup to watch if we get it more than a few times. Um, And then again, the crafty veteran. If I were the Steelers, I would not hesitate to put Peterson on Robert Woods, crafty vet against crafty vet. But I I think Levi Wallace, given the way he played last week, I don't want to get too out over my skis and expect too much of them. So I, I think they have to start considering how they're handling slot receivers. And again, this is a team that has a tight end they brought in in the offseason and Dalton Schultz who can still mm-hmm. burn you as well. Although I don't know about you, Josh, I feel much better about the interior coverage 
especially with Cole Holcomb, Quan Alexander, and even the way Keanu Neal has played in the last week or two. A whole lot better about interior coverage against tight ends and backs out of the backfield. There are two things that caught my attention of everything you laid out. One of them was maybe moving Patrick Peterson around. And the other one is more Jerry, uh, more Joey Porter Jr. I almost called him Jerry Porter. Like, like, <laughs> like, Pac-Man. like Pac-Man. <laughs> um, but yeah, more, more Joey Porter Jr. Too. I, I think it's, I think this is one of those cases where we talked about the Steelers offense being brought along slowly. I think the defense is the exact same thing. I think they've done a pretty good job of bringing Joey Porter Jr. Along slowly. And the good thing about that is every challenge they've given him, he's done pretty well with it. Okay, he gave up one pass against Devonta Adams. Folks, everybody does that. That's nothing yeah. new. He's been doing that to the league for almost a decade now. Yeah. But he every every test for the most part that he's been given, he's passed it. And I think he's been able to say, okay, I can do this. What else you got for me? So if they can do take that opportunity now and against this receiving core, I think this is a really good next progression for him. Get him, you know, 30 plus snaps in with this group to see how well he does and just match him up with the guy and say, okay, don't let this guy beat you. I don't care yeah. who it is. It could be any of the above. Don't let this guy beat you and see what he does because he's done a pretty good job of that already. I think it's really important. The safety play becomes a big part of it. I thought what we saw with Nick Fitzpatrick against the Raiders is a lot more of what you want to see with yes. him. He's in the back. He's directing traffic. He's taking, you know, whether it's your the your opponent's best receiver or at least the best deep threat out of at least the ability to take the top off your defense, he's at least helping prevent that. But he's mm-hmm. also cleaning up some stuff. If he's if he's the robber on a certain play, he's helping clean up the middle of the field. He's helping taking that away, and it gives your corners a little bit more confidence. To, they say, you know what, you might beat me short but you're not going to beat me deep because I got these guys behind me. I think a lot of that is going to mix in. I think they're going to have to be really, really strategic in how they give CJ Stroud certain looks. And this is where Terrell Austin comes in. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this also is, Hey, let's give him this look and shift this and rotate this guy. And Patrick Peterson talked about it after the game against Vegas. He said, look, I was supposed to be back here. I got sucked in with this and wasn't back there quick enough when he got beat on that fourth and one for a touchdown. So all of this has to come into play. People have to be disciplined. They have to make their reads and everybody has to do their job. Well, if you don't have to necessarily shut this passing game down, but if you can limit it enough or make CJ Strout think just enough for Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they don't get any pressure and the reason TJ Watt, I mentioned this before the break, um, the reason TJ Watt is probably licking his chops is because they may be down to their third string left tackle. There you go. And if that's the case, then I do, I, I do not envy Austin Deculus, who would be making his first NFL appearance, let alone first NFL start against TJ Watt and or Alex Highsmith, depending on yep. how they move pieces around. That could be a nightmare. But let's let's assume Laramie Tunsil gets good enough to play. Okay. Let's assume at the very least they've got their tackles. Um, it's still it still is going to be difficult, I think, for Stroud to because to your point, if Fitzpatrick's sitting over the top, hmm. I, I, which is how I prefer, it's it becomes just a matter of okay, who's the guy on this play? I there is no Devontae Adams for the Texans, right? And exactly. Not just 
not just in skill level, but also in that there's no one prevailing target. Like if you look at the numbers, Collins, Dell, and Woods are all sitting somewhere between 21 and 25 targets through three games. And they have the same number of receptions. Exactly. They're all sitting at 15 catches. Um, When you look at it, Woods has not been the deep threat. He's been running from the slot more often, but Tank Dell has their longest reception of the year at 68 yards, but Nico Collins has more big plays, seven to Dell's three. So obviously it can be any one of those three guys on any given play. You're right. I want Minka sitting back, playing a high center field. And if that means I got to play three corners all day, then so be it. It's time for Joey Porter Jr. to take the training wheels off anyway. It becomes for me then, Josh, just more about alignment, like I talked about. And who do I want on the inside? Again, the way I saw Levi Wallace handle tight ends last week and slot receivers, I'm okay letting him play Mm -hmm. on the inside. I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. Um, especially with help from backers and strong safeties. Give me Pat Pete, and, and hopefully he warms to the task faster than he has in a couple other games this year. Give me Pat Pete and PZ Jr. on the outside, and I feel a little bit better, even if the tackles are healthy for Houston in how they handle those outside receivers. It This is a situation where I feel like for the Steelers, it, it kind of plays into their hands. Because you mentioned it, there's there's no Devontae Adams that you know can pretty much torch any defense he plays against mm-hmm. because he's just that good of a route runner and he's just that reliable of a target that where he can take a high volume and just convert it into ridiculous numbers. They don't have that guy, but they do have that equal distribution of targets and catches to where you figure out okay, it, you don't have to worry about the one guy beating you, but you do have to worry about which guy might exploit you if you make a mistake. Yeah. So to your point. Yeah, it becomes important as to who who lines up where and who's matched up where. And I would also say this. This is a prime opportunity for this defense to really take advantage of the fact that you have a Alex Highsmith, that you have a TJ Watt. Because Mm -hmm. what happens when you have those two guys on the edges that most offensive linemen can't deal with? You can really leave it up to your front to just say, okay, you guys go get the quarterback. Everybody else, you clean up what's left. That's what it might become to where – they can just send that four up front if they're in that even front. They can just send those four and drop those other seven guys back. Yeah. And make CJ Stroud make CJ Stroud pick his poison. And God forbid he's under duress. You're going, okay, so where's the mistake going to come to? And that becomes a much bigger opportunity for them to be able to capitalize on it and maybe force CJ Stroud to make that first big mistake because it hasn't happened yet. So yeah, if you have the right alignment of guys both in between the hash marks and outside, I think that helps as far as making it a lot more difficult to make that decision right away and make it a lot easier for those four guys, whether it's Highsmith or Watt or even Keanu Benton, to get to the quarterback and either make a play to get him on the ground or force him to make that mistake that brings it the other way. You mentioned exactly who I was going to bring up next. I will <laughs> I save I will save some what's cooler than being cool, Ice Cole Holcomb for a couple minutes from now. And instead pivot to Keanu Benton. Love this. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, (laughs) Keanu Benton needs to play more. Uh, In my opinion, he's been up and down in snap count, uh, or actually been going down in snap count if you look Mm. at it, which is strange. Um, But, you know, by percentage, it's interesting. He's still been in there 30 to 40% of the snaps every week. This guy just, he... I get the feeling he can do both. And mm. I don't know many interior D linemen who you can trust in this day and age to do both. 
you're lucky enough that when he's healthy, you can trust Cam Hayward to both get after the quarterback and help stuff the run. You are lucky enough that with Cam out, Larry Ogunjobi has looked like he can handle both to an extent. Montrevious Adams, okay, flashes here and there. I know they like him. They've liked him for a while since they pulled him off the, the waiver pile from New Orleans a couple years ago. I just would like to see more Benton in there and let him, because he looks like to me, he can be one of those guys who just absolutely blows up a block and ends up laying on top of a quarterback three seconds later, as much as he is that guy who can eat up a couple of gaps in the run game. I thought the best description came after our, our talk after the Vegas game. Um, Hargrave-esque. Yeah. I thought was a great description for him. And it, I think we talked about this before the season. If he can be anything like that guy, that's something you're really going to feel good about anytime he's on the field. And the second half he had against Vegas, I think told us a lot about what he can do. And I think, you know, the thing that was the knock against him coming out of Wisconsin was, well, he hasn't done a lot in, in, in the passing game and, and, mm-hmm. in you know, against pass rush. Well, he really wasn't required to in yeah. Wisconsin because he had his job and the job he had as far as helping stuff to run, he was really good at. But now you're seeing his ability to beat guys one-on-one in the pass rush and it ain't much, it ain't much worse than what he's doing in the run game, because we can talk about what this, what a certain player does against this or against that. His job's pretty simple: beat the man in front of you. Yep. And he's doing a pretty good job of it in both instances. And if that's the case, and I think Mike Tomlin talked about it too. He's making the most of the opportunity because of an injury to Cam Hayward. He wasn't really expected to be put in this position this soon. But if I'll say the same thing with him, like I said with Joey Porter Jr., you keep giving him chances and you keep giving him tests and he passes them. Give them more. What's the worst that could happen at this point? Exactly. Uh, so we, I, I, th- I think we feel good about the run game. Texans are only only running for less than three yards a carry, 2.8 uh. yards per carry. Um, nobody worse than them in the league at average yards per carry. They are tied with the Bucks for 31st in the league in yards per carry. I think we feel good as long as the corners – play solidly on the outside and Levi Wallace is protected in some way, whether it be by his fellow corners or by the safeties in them being able to limit big plays. The the one thing that I come back to in this final analysis of the Steelers defense against the Texans offense is where is a young quarterback going to look when there is pressure in his face? He's going to look for a safety valve in the middle of the field right in front of him. And they did, like I said, go out and get Dalton Schultz this offseason as a tight end. The the immediate counterpunch to that is that every week I grow about 10 leaps and bounds in my confidence in Cole Holcomb in pass coverage, not just in coming up and stuffing in the run. He's shown an effectiveness there, and they seem to know when to pick and choose to have a Landon Roberts on the field with him in those instances. But I already felt good about Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb. Like I said, what's cooler than being cool? Ice Cole, he seems to be handling the middle of the field. Aside from even that big hit he put on Adams last week in Vegas, Josh, this guy seems to have a handle. I don't see, I mean, we didn't see George Kittle really eat him up too much in the middle of the field. We didn't see Njoku do it. We didn't see the Raiders really utilize the middle of the field all that much. It feels like a new day in the middle of the Steelers defense and that they're handling that pretty well because of, Holcomb and Alexander, more so Holcomb. It all honestly, the Vegas result from what not only what Cole Holcomb was doing as far as coverage, uh, you know, covering specific receivers, 
But what he did in the middle of the field, that hit that he laid on Devontae yeah. Adams that they picked up the flag on, it 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 took my mind back to better times. Yep. When this is what this defense was expected to do. This is what they were counted upon to do. And it was pretty much it it was like, okay, how many, how many times is it gonna happen as opposed to are we going to see it? That really changed my opinion on him. Now, granted, I got some really good insight from Ryan Shazier. Um, we worked the let's say once it was post game of the Buffalo game together and Cole Holcomb, he didn't have an interception, but he tipped the pass that led to an interception mm -hmm. against Buffalo. Now, granted, I know we're preseason results. You can't get too crazy about them, but it was the process for me. And, and Ryan Shazier really broke down the process as to what he did and how he thought Cole Holcomb saw that play develop. And he talked about how defensive coaches pretty much coach linebackers a couple of different ways as to how you're going to sit back in zone and defend the pass. You're either going to look, you're going to go sit back and look at what the quarterback's doing and try to read and react, or you might look at where the receivers are aligned on your side of the field or from the middle of the field, and you might try to defend certain concepts and know where to be based on what the concept is evolving into. I thought that was a really good piece of information because I think we're finding out Cole Holcomb might be able to not only defend well in zone, but also match up well, just well enough in man coverage to yeah. make it a little bit harder. And you talked about Dalton Schultz, but let's not forget Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan has four catches. Three of them are first downs and one of them is a touchdown. Yeah. He's actually been pretty good on third down too. And he's been pretty good in the red zone. So he becomes a matchup issue. So now I look at what Cole Holcomb or Quan Alexander, or this is where the safeties come in too. This is mm -hmm. where DeMonte KZ and Keanu Neal come in. They're going to have to try to deal with what these tight ends can do in short yardage and red zone, not just as far as what uh, with third downs are considering. But yeah, Schultz and Jordan do present an interesting matchup, and they're going to give us a really good look at you know just how good these linebackers are continuing to grow with what they can do in this pass defense. Steelers, Texans, one o'clock Sunday. No live uh, edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City for post game, but we will have a post game wrap up for you up late Sunday night, early Monday morning for your ride into work on Monday. So you can look back on it with us as far as what goes down on Sunday in Houston between the Steelers and the Texans. As you know, you got to make sure you're subscribed, though, to get notified as soon as that episode is available inside your Odyssey app on YouTube, click the notification bell, or however you get your podcasts. Be sure to keep it right here because we will be back Sunday night, Monday morning, to break down everything that happened. Thanks to Greg Finley for producing, my friend Josh Taylor for helping keep me in line and not letting me quote Outcast too much. As we I like the Outcast drops. You can never right, have right, enough right, in my book. We will be never back post-game for another edition of Fourth Down in Steel City. <laughs>